Welcome to the Influential Nonprofit, the show for nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can grow their income and impact. Now, here's your host, Marianne Dersh. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Influential Nonprofit. I'm your host, Marianne Dersh. I work with nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can grow their income and impact so we can get more done, which is what we're here to do. I have very special guests here today, and today we're going to talk about building healthy, engaged, productive relationships with the board of directors, which is a chronic issue I come across a lot in my coaching and training of nonprofits. And so I met the Saratoga Springs Preservation Foundation. I met Nicole Bobby a few months ago and asked her and Executive Director Samantha Bosshart. They are the mighty team of this organization and to talk about really their relationship with their board, because I was really impressed with the, the stories that I heard from them. I'm just going to give you a little bit of background and then we'll, we'll get started. The Saratoga Springs Preservation Foundation promotes the preservation and enhancement of the architectural, cultural, and landscaped heritage of Saratoga Springs. And its mission is fulfilled through educational programs, preservation projects, technical assistance, and advocacy. And Samantha has 25 years of experience in historic preservation. And has since 2008, she has served as executive director of the Saratoga Springs Preservation Foundation. And Nicole is the has been with the foundation for six years and has her master's of arts in museum studies from John Hopkins. And they are both wonderful and accomplished, and I'm so excited you're here. Welcome, Nicole and Samantha. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I know we're all excited to hear about your board, but I start this with a question. I This is a question I ask all the time for my guests, and you can each answer, okay? So before we kick off into that, what I want to know is tell me something that you're proud of that you don't get to brag about very often. It's funny. We, I feel, this is Nicole, I feel like Samantha and I are pretty good at tooting our own horn as a small nonprofit. We, we really try to let people know what we do. I think the most surprising thing that people find out about us is that we are a staff of two and a half and our organization's been around for almost 45 years and we do a lot in our community. So when they hear that, there's two full-time staff and one part-time staff, or technically two part-time staff members. They're shocked. They're shocked at how much we can accomplish with not a lot of hands. Yeah. <laughs> how, how about you, Samantha? Well, I guess I'll speak just maybe mission-driven a little bit since Nicole touched on that. We are home to the Saratoga Racecourse, which is the oldest sports venue in the country. And we have a very important role ensuring that historic venue is preserved and as they move forward with capital improvements. And, and a lot of people don't realize that we have that role and, and it's a very important one. And um, so I guess that's one of the things that we try to toot our horn about, but often people just don't realize it. And so I, I guess I'd go with a mission driven tooting. <laughs> That's awesome. So we want to talk today. I want to focus on your board. So let's just get, give me an overview, like, you know, how many people and how, just give us an overview of how it functions. And then we'll get into the meat of the relationship aspect. 
Currently, we have a board of 20 people. We are allowed uh, by our bylaws to have 21. We meet monthly, except for the month of August, because that's racing season. It's sort of a tradition in Saratoga Springs. Nobody really meets in August. And we have an executive committee, a fund development and marketing committee, an advocacy committee. So those are our our main committees. And we have an, an orientation process and we encourage board members to be involved with stewardship of our relationships of our members and donors. Oh, and we have a board nominating and development committee. How I, the most important one for the topic that we're talking about. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that. I, I want to talk about that. Like, so let's just start at the beginning even before the onboarding. So how do you identify and recruit new members to your board? I think often it is either people that perhaps Nicole or I encounter or board members that encounter, or even it can be people that are we realize are loyal members or donors. And we that's sort of where we start to identify People. We also, the board nominating and development committee does look at what needs we may have, whether that is a skill set or while we are in a largely white (laughs) community, what ways we can be diverse, whether that's age, male, female, experience and other backgrounds. So we identify those needs and then we look for those that we think could fulfill those needs. And oftentimes maybe we don't have that relationship, but we ask people in the community if they know of anyone. So it's, it's a variety of ways that we identify people that would be potential board members. Right. I think one thing that's unique for us too is that we also have a mayoral appointment every year. So the mayor will identify somebody who they think would fit our needs, whether they're a local realtor or in a design profession or business. A, biz, a local business owner. So there's a lot of opportunities there, which I find really unique for this organization that are, we always have, ever since I've started, and I'm sure for a very long time, we've had a mayoral appointment. And then they ha- they do that for one year, and then they can continue their board commitment if they choose. If they choose. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So And so what I'm hearing, though, is that you first identify what the needs of the organization are, and then find people to fulfill those needs. And I feel like that's a really, really critical piece I want to bring forward to the audience, because Sometimes it's the opposite, right? We want to go find the people and then, you know, because we just want to fill the, put the butts in the seats, like, and, and instead of really saying, okay, what, what is, you know, what are our goals? What's our vision? And then how can we, you know, um, and then, you know, who can we find to help us? And so I feel like that's why I wanted to start there because, because once you have the right people in place, it gets, it's a whole lot easier to then maintain. Does that make sense? Like, correct. correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk about, I'd love to talk about your onboarding process. I just, I just talked yesterday with someone and 
Now, no one is more engaged than when they start, right? Like, 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 and so capturing that energy from the beginning is so important. So what does your onboarding process look like? Well, anybody that we identify as a potential board member, they must fill out a brief application. Then we, members of the board and nominating and development committee have an interview with those potential board members. Then I will meet with the potential board members separately to follow up with any questions or to share a little bit more about the organization and and what it does. And then once they're appointed to the board, we do members of the nominating board development committee, as well as the president do, as well as I try to check in after the first couple of meetings to see if they have any questions or comments, but also we do orientation. We have a board handbook with all of our policies, our bylaws, our articles of incorporation, our, the last six months of minutes, just so if they want to have a sense of where they're coming on into the organization, they have a, a reference point. Granted, I don't think my board members refer to their handbook as as much as we would love for them to, but they do have it and we can guide them to that. And then I also do try to do, and, and COVID sort of limited this, obviously, actual tour around our city that shows where the foundation has made its impact in the community. That's so awesome. Like you take them on a little, like a little tour of everything. Yes. A little driving tour. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know, yeah, those binders, you know, those handbooks, they're, they're not as always used as we want, but at least they're a reference. And what I'm also hearing is there's a lot of, you know, personal touch to this, you know, to this orientation, which is really critical because, you know, like, And also what I really like and what I want to just call out a little bit is your application process. Like you have an application and there's an interview process. And I think sometimes organizations may come from a place where they feel like come from a mindset of powerlessness where, or of like less power. I don't say powerlessness, but like, oh, we need board members who would ever be on our board. And much less like have an application process, you know, so I think it's really great. And I would love uh, maybe if you could link to that or we could put that um, in the show notes that you, that brief application. I think that would be. Yeah, it's, it's a brief application. And we feel like if somebody wants to be part of our organization, if they're unwilling to take 10 or 15 minutes to fill out an application about why they want to be on the board and what, what they feel they can offer the organization. I mean, to me, that would be a red flag. And (laughs) right. So, you know, and the other thing that takes place with the board interview is also reviewing what the board financial commitment is, as well as we have a job description in our board handbook that, outlines what the expectations are of a board member, including so let's talk about like, what is the financial commitment and how, how does that happen? I feel like this is also an issue that comes up a lot for people. They may be hesitant to ask for a, com- a financial commitment from the board. 
So we are a membership-based organization. So one of the commitments is that they have to be a dues-paying member. They have to contribute to our annual appeal. And the overall dollar commitment is $750. So if they want to become a corporate sponsor for something, or they want to join us as an honorary committee member for our historic homes tour, how they get to that $750 isn't really my concern. It kind of depends on what they what they value and what they feel like is important. Our memberships start at $35. So they can kind of do as they please. And as long as they make it, our fiscal year ends June 30th. So as long as by June 30th, they've hit that 750 and they are a member and they did annual appeal, however they want to contribute the rest is up to them. And obviously people on our board go above and beyond that, but that's kind of just our minimum expectation, which everybody feels is fair, which is nice. Yeah. And I would say for anybody who may not be able to meet that financial commitment, if they secure a a membership or a sponsorship or from somebody and, and they're responsible for that, we, we consider that as part of their commitment. So, you know, we understand that not everybody may be able to make that commitment personally, but if they are willing to secure those funds in other ways or um, donate you know, time to a particular project that may otherwise not happen without them, I mean, it's, there is some, what I would say, wiggle room or, or discretion, maybe yeah. is another word um, yeah. for that. But, There's some okay. flexibility in how they put this together. Just everyone put something together. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's so important because like I've been on a board and the minimum contribution was a thousand dollars and and it was the same thing. I could do that however I wanted, you know. And over the course of the year, it it was it was fine to do that. Even, you know, a few years ago, like not having let like having less money, I was you know, because there were so many different ways that you could do that. So like, you know, I would have a fundraiser for my birthday and then donate, you know, the, the, the money and that would be part of my gift. And I, and I think, you know, people hesitate around this because like, oh, our board members are already giving so much, but we have to remember, you know, fundraising is a gift that attaches people to their power and their purpose. And it makes them feel good to be able to contribute to the organization. And so you're, you know, you're, you are helping them demonstrate their commitment, which in the end is always a good thing. Exactly. So I want to talk more about like, so, you know, tell me what your relationship is like with your board members, either individually and collectively and like, and how you maintain and sustain that. I would say we, we have a very collegial atmosphere. It's, we're serious when we need to be, but, you know, we want it to be fun. You know, we want people to want to participate and engage. And so, you know, whether that's having a sense of humor, which I think is pretty important, I think that's one thing that helps. I think the follow-up or, I mean, Nicole is just really great at just speaking to everybody that comes through the door or calls, but really 
taking the time to, to talk to our, our board members is important. And, you know, it, it can be challenging when you're a staff of two and you have a large board. So it's not to say that, you know, we're in constant contact, but we, we do do our best effort to keep them informed of the organization. We send out lots of e-blasts. We, you know, have a pretty substantial board package that goes out with every meeting so that they're well informed of what, what we're doing. And I, I think another thing that we do that helps and, and doesn't often come as often as I would like from board members, but at the beginning of every meeting, we have what a moment what we call preservation moments, share an example of what, where you've heard something positive about the work the foundation is doing in the community. And Oftentimes that's Nicole and I relaying sort of feedback from a donor or a member, somebody who attended one of our educational programs. And I think people, the board members hearing positive comments about what we're doing just makes them feel good about being part of the board. Yeah, for sure. And I love starting the meeting like that. I love what you're saying, like, you know, make it fun. You can have your serious time and you can have fun. And when people genuinely like each other, you know, and like that have that atmosphere, then they're going to be more likely to participate because like, like in the boards I've been on that I really enjoyed where I liked the people I wanted to be with them. You know, we had a great relationship. Do you do anything by like, so you said you, you, do you meet with each board member like once a year? Is there anything like that that you do where there's some system or structure to it? I think that is, it's always a goal for the board president and myself to do. Do we accomplish that as well as we would like? Probably not, to be perfectly honest, but it is something that we do strive to do. And I want to say one other thing that we do, and it's we have a holiday board meeting and that it it's a potluck holiday board meeting that's hosted usually at someone's home. And I think that's just another way for the board to have some social interaction rather than a formal board meeting. And, and so I think those are some of the other things that we do to sort of facilitate a, a good environment. Right. I think that's so important because, you know, when you're on a board, you don't know those people very well. It, it's hard to know how they make decisions. It's hard to know. And you're in a room with people you see a few times a year, and then you're required to interact at a really high level. And, you know, so I think things like the potluck and one board that I was on, the offices were over like a restaurant bar. So we would like go down to the bar at the end of the meeting and just hang out. It was uh, staff board. And then every, and once a year, the junior board, we would do a mixer there. And it was, it was just lovely just to be able to talk to people because like, when, and when I first joined this one board, I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. Everyone's lawyers and accountants, <laughs> you know? And I was like, what am I doing here? And, and they're like, well, what do you want to be doing here? I said, well, I, I want to I teach you how to tell your story better. I want to teach the board members how to do that. She's like, okay, let's do that. And then, I, but it took me a while to kind of find my place because I, like we were talking about the diversity of different kinds of people. And, you know, in this, there was like a lot of lawyers, accountants, you know, financial types and people like that. And I was, a little intimidated. I don't get intimidated very easily, but I was a little intimidated. 
And, but having those social situations was really great because it's like, oh yeah, like he's a really big shot lawyer. He's also a super cool guy. And our kids are the same age, you know? So it was, I think those things are really great. And just, you know, creating that collegial culture, I think is, goes a long way that people want to participate because yes, they're doing important work. And also it's a lot of fun. I guess I forgot one of the other things that the board nominating and development committee does is it doesn't happen in every meeting, but we periodically try to have some element of education and whether that is about the organization, whether it is a topic about because of what our mission is preservation, an area about the city. We had a board member do a presentation on urban renewal in Saratoga Springs. Uh, we have a board member who is really interested in the springs at the Saratoga Spa State Park. And so she's going to give a presentation in our upcoming board meeting. It's 10 minutes, but it's just also a way for the board to learn something and engage that way. Yeah. And to learn a little bit about each other and what their expertise is and you know where their passions lie. I think that's amazing. Do you guys do any retreats or anything or, you know, annual, anything like that? Yes. Yeah. So we, we do a retreat with the board, obviously COVID kind of put a little snag in that the past year, but we previously would meet at one of our board members would offer up their home. We would go there and we would think big picture. We, we would bring out the giant post-it notepad, the super tall ones, and write everything down. And it's a nice opportunity for me because I don't attend the board meetings to, A, interact with the board members that I don't get to see as much, but also to bring a different perspective or think of things in a different way that maybe they're not thinking of. Since I do have the more programs, fundraising, membership mind versus advocacy or those kind of things. It, right. it gives them a, a nice opportunity for pe- them to work in small groups because the nice thing is, is we do have our committees. So they do get to interact outside of the board meetings with each other, but it, those are the people who are on those committees only see each other. So right. they don't necessarily, and like Samantha attends most of the committee meetings, whereas I don't necessarily go to the advocacy ones. So I won't see those board members as often as I see the fund development and marketing committee people. So it's just a nice opportunity for us all to come together for an afternoon, think big picture, think about what where where the organization should be. And just in the six years that I've been here, I think that those retreats are are fundamental to getting everybody to work together, see different sides of everything, think big picture, kind of see what are we capable of as a staff of two and a half, but also like, what can we be doing? And it's it's great to see that. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, we, we have a strategic plan. We consider it a working document. You know, we, we don't just issue it in 2018 and we don't look at it. We, that is also a, a large focus of the annual retreat is to to look at our strategic plan, look at the goals, what have we accomplished, what new goals do we want to add, what would we want to do differently. And so we do have that in place. And I think I think that is really 
important um, for an organization to have. I would say that from my experience being on other boards that, you know, you can rely on an executive director sometimes to, to just decide the goals, but I think it's important to have a strategic plan for both the board and the staff to refer back to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you got to know where you're going or you're going to feel like you're in the backseat of a car with a blindfold on, you know, like people want to know where they're going and they want to be a part of making that decision. I love this retreat thing, you know, just an afternoon with let the ideas flow. And what you said, your fiscal year ends. January. So it just ended. So when do you do this retreat? What time of year do you do it? Well, we had been doing it in. March prior to COVID. And of course, we didn't have our last March 2020 because we were shut down the week before we were scheduled to do it. Uh, I think because of COVID, when the board members typically come onto the board would would have been May, but we've had to adapt our schedule. So new board members right now are going to come onto the board in September and at this point, we're hoping to have that retreat in October. I think we just strive to have it once a year. I don't know if we haven't, we don't have like a set schedule, but I think we think that since we weren't able to have one in, in such a long time and we have some new board members coming on, that it might be a good opportunity to have them meet other board members and look at our strategic plan. So that's, yeah. that's where we're at at this point. And then like, and so is there a system of accountability within the board members? Like, you know, do they, you know, where they are accountable to do what they say they're going to do? So we actually rely on our board president a lot for those kind of opportunities. Uh, most of the time people are doing what they're say they're going to do. Yeah. Samantha and I work with them on the committees. So, so those kind of things aren't too hard, like too difficult. But if it's our major event and somebody hasn't contributed yet, we I usually just let the board president know, hey, these few people are outstanding. I talked to this person. They said that they're going to join honorary committee, become a sponsor, donate. They haven't done it yet. Can you just follow up? And our current board president has been wonderful to really take the lead on that because he knows that our time is limited and hearing it from him versus hearing it from staff all the time is really crucial to actually having them follow through. And yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that is a peer-to-peer -peer board, you know, thing to like create and implement that for each other, you know? And so I think that's amazing. And that you have a board president that's really good at doing that. Yeah, he's been wonderful. And it's, it's just nice. It gives him the buy-in, I think, to, to want to help us and do everything. I do think that people on our board are very respectful of Samantha and I and the time that we have available because they know it's limited and that we're always planning programs, educational programs, events. There's always advocacy to be done. So I think that they try their best. Sometimes people need reminders, which is fine. But overall, I think that they do a good job. And one of the other ways that we, and obviously we're a smaller organization, but 
we have board members do thank you calls for annual appeals and gifts. And so they're assigned several calls every, you know, when we're in the heat throes of annual appeal, they're assigned call several calls every couple of weeks. And they're just asked to make a simple thank you call. And I think um, a lot of them, while they sort of like, oh, I don't want to make these calls, ultimately they they're glad that they did because the feedback that they get is positive and again reinforces yeah for the donor that they're appreciated but i think also serves the purpose reinforcing for the board member why they're that they're volunteering their time yeah everybody needs a good feel good moment so hearing the people who get the phone calls are always shocked that we're just calling to say thanks and not asking for anything not else. For anything, right? Just just out of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah, and they they love it and they appreciate it, and I think that energy rubs off onto the board because hearing people say, "Oh, this is so nice. Thank you so much. You guys do a great job." Just hearing that for them is great. We, Samantha and I get phone calls from people, and we hear like the feel good stories, but having them participate in here too is always nice and and it puts a different face with the organization and because everybody knows Samantha and I so it's nice to have that opportunity for the board to really get out there and make those calls and then we also have any board members that are on our fund development committee also make calls thank you calls to our members and that's just another nice opportunity to just say thanks for being a member and that's what keeps our organization running and and talking to those people because they're all of these people that are donating, they have buy-in in this organization. They they support us. They get it. So for the board to hear how great that is, I think is a nice sentiment for them. Yeah, I think so too. And so tell me, what role do they play with fundraising? I mean, what I'm hearing is, you know, they're doing a lot of the thank yous and things. Are they doing a lot of the asking as well? I think I think the case with every board, there's going to be members that feel very comfortable and confident asking for donations or soliciting a membership or asking friends to attend an event. I think that, I think most of our board members feel most comfortable with that last request of come to our event. But I would say it's a mix. And I, but I think that's, to assume that every board member is going to have the personality to ask for donations, I think is a bit unrealistic. And you have to tap their skill sets that they're com- most comfortable with. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of it is, you know, like when I was talking about my board experience, like, Part of it is like, here's what I'm excited to give. And then here's what the agency needs. And that little Venn diagram overlap is where the energy is, where that sweet spot is. And it's not for everyone. And I do feel like sometimes people like, they're like, well, maybe the board can fundraise just to, because they don't want to themselves. <laughs> right? like, so it's a, sort of a, a reframe of like, uh, for me, what I see is sometimes organizations will, like they they are hesitant to fundraise and so they want their board to do it for them. So they, they don't have to do it. And in which case that's a switch that needs to be made on a lot of levels, but you know, and when you embrace fundraising as an organization, then it's easy for the board to step into, 
in whatever role is comfortable for them. Like it may not always be like doing any kind of ask. It could be more of, you know, just like putting you in touch with people. Yeah. I was going to say facilitate a relationship or an introduction or there's just different ways to approach what fundraising means. And I, I think some people don't realize that those can count just as much as an actual dollar ask. And um, so that's just as important. And so what is next? Like, what is, where are y'all going, you know, as an organization, what is, what is the vision for the future? Well, (laughs) that's a, that's a loaded question right now for us. We recently purchased a home that has been on our endangered list for the last 20 years. So we purchased 65 Filet Street and we'll be doing the exterior rehabilitation of the building. So that is our big, currently $250,000 project that we are working on, which is great. It's, It's so exciting and so great. And I feel like this is the kind of thing that really gets the board energized, having a project, having yeah, not just the day-to-day, it's something big. So it's exciting to see them and how they'll step up and utilize their different talents, which is so great. But again, for a staff of two and a half, it's a, it's going to be a big undertaking. And yeah. Will you, be like, it, will you have offices in the, in the home or? No, we, we, or, we plan to, sell it to to somebody who will complete the interior and then uh, remain a good steward for the home for years to come. And, and if we are as ex- successful as we plan to be for the fundraising, any proceeds from the sale of the property would, would go towards another community project um, going forward. So that's our intent. And then I would say that we are the increase in our educational programs, as a direct result of COVID, we really stepped up and augmented our stroll, summer strolls. We do a summer Sunday stroll of a different area of town every Sunday and throughout the summer. And they sold out last year. And so we are we extended that into the fall last year and it was largely successful. And we're doing that again. And we've just really expanded our educational programs. So we 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 are going to be hiring another part-time staff person. What? Pending, <laughs> yeah. pending board approval on Tuesday, but I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic that they're going to be supportive of hiring another person to help us continue to do all the great things that we're doing as well as take on 65 Phyla Street. Yeah, that's amazing. It's, I love what you're saying about, you know, these big projects like that, you know, it gets people um, hyped up, you know, ramped up because it's, you know, it's a little bit more than the day to day. And maybe it doesn't have to be like a big project like this. It could be something smaller, but just something that they can, you know, that's maybe a little more than just day to day operation. You know, and I like, because this is a big thing for you, but I'm just thinking like, how could this translate to other organizations? Like, what could you do that the board could, you know, a project or something that they could get excited about um, that's a little bit more than the day-to-day? Because I can really see how the home and 
And also because it's very tangible and physical, right? Like you can watch it and you can see it and you can visit it. And that I think is, is really helps with engagement as well. Agreed. Yeah. So is there, and we're almost out of time. So is there anything else you want to share with the listeners around creating good relationships with your board or anything else you want to share? I guess one thing I should have highlighted and is, you know, we, we talked about board members and their fundraising. And one of the things that I would say Nicole has been great about facilitating is really improving our board participation and giving Tuesday and having them do their own uh, individual giving Tuesday fundraiser and, and giving them the tools to create the fundraiser. And, you know, they're always a little surprised by what friends donate and whatnot, but that was just sort of a, I feel I was going to mention that earlier and then, you know, got sidetracked by some other thought, but I think they, there's clearly board members that do social media and then there's other ones that don't, but we've really had a great increase in our participation on Giving Tuesday. And I think it's important for the staff to give the tools to empower them to be able to do what you want them to do, I guess. Yeah. So give them the tools to kind of make it their own, make it their own campaign. Right. And yeah. And I literally mock up like a step-by-step how to guide of, I take screenshots from Facebook so that they know exactly where they need to be going. Cause some of our board members are older. Some of our board members just don't really use Facebook that much. So saying guys, it's five steps. Here's exactly what you need to do. You can do this and then make sure that you invite your friends. Don't just put it up. People won't just donate. You have to invite them to donate. That but is, that it's, is. it's great. Giving them the step-by-step, I think is really great because you know, you might be really familiar with it, but they might not. I remember one time I was working with the board and I was telling them, you know, it's really important for you guys to like and share stuff. And what I would, somebody just raised their hand and they go, I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> and, it, and it never occurs to me like, oh, I, okay, take a step back. Like, so let's just, you know, you, I don't think you can over explain it, you know, just to make sure it's really clear because like they wanted to participate. They didn't know how. And so they weren't doing it. And, and but they were too shy to say, Hey, I'm, I'm not really sure how to do that because it just seemed like, okay, okay, well, let's take a step back. Let me show you how to do it. And so I love you say with the screenshots, this is exactly how you do it. This is exactly, you know, and some people will need that and some people won't, but it's there if you need it. And you're right. Cause some people just aren't comfortable. It's just so important to give them the tools because they just may not know how to use them or how to do it. And then what we're thinking is, oh, my board, you know, is not engaged or, you know, they are, they just don't know how. So that's a great thing. I love it. I'm so glad you brought up Giving Tuesday because I do feel like a lot of organizations want to have a higher board engagement around that. And so it's, that's really great inspiration and you know for that. All right. Well, oh. that was fantastic. Oh, well, I think Sam has one more thought. <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Bring it on. One more that we asked the board to do is, um, when, for example, when we are doing a major event and we're doing a solicitation for sponsorship or honorary commit to, for people to join the honorary committee, we ask them to personalize 
that put a personalized note on that solicitation letter. And granted, it takes a lot of staff coordination and time, but it the rate of response, and Nicole has tracked it. Nicole, you can speak to it, but. I think it's something like 85% of the responses that we get, the donations that we get back from personalized mailings, and it might even be higher than that, are because they were personalized by a board member. And I think that's just amazing. And I let them know. That's the other part. It's the staff following through to let them know that the efforts that they do, they mean something. We brought in all of this money because you all took the time to sign it. And it does, it takes a lot of coordinating. I send a spreadsheet with thousands of names that they can go through. But they quickly find who they know, the businesses that they don't mind signing letters for. And I think the end result has just really been a game changer for our organization over the last few years. Wow. So what a simple, easy, I'm so glad you stopped and added this because what a simple, easy thing for them to do. It's just personalized. It takes some coordination. And but what I'm hearing is it's totally worth it because it's paying over off well again and again. Totally worth it. It's incredible. And it's nice for the staff to see who they're putting their names to because we don't necessarily know that a membership that comes in, maybe because they're friends with somebody on the board, we won't know that until we see these names on the spreadsheet with who's signing what and And sometimes it's interesting where people, I'll find out that somebody is the first person that they became friends with in Saratoga Springs. And just, you find out a little bit more about your board and who they know and what they're interested in and what they do during their free time based on who they're signing these notes to. And I find that fascinating. Ah, there we go. So lots of insights into that. Yeah. And I think my, my only other thing that we didn't mention earlier that I wanted to state was not everybody has to be a board member. They're, that's why we have committees. And sometimes it's a good way to start somebody. If you don't necessarily know them, you don't feel comfortable asking them to be a board member from the get-go, is to just have them come to a committee meeting. And if they like it, they can keep coming to committee meetings. And that's a really great way to get them engaged, find out what their skills are, find out more about that person. And then if you think down the road that they're going to be a great board member, that's the perfect opportunity. They're already involved. They already show their support. And you know if they're going to be committed to this. So I think that's another just thing that any organization, big or small, needs to consider is should they be a committee member first and then join the board down the road? That's great. I love that committee structure. And it is a great way to build a pipeline to the board. I think that is one of the biggest issues is like organizations just don't really have a pipeline. In, and you're asking people to just like come in and, and jump in into a leadership role. And so this is their opportunity to really learn about the organization. So they feel confident leading it. And that's really important for them too, because they want to be able to understand how it works so they can lead it effectively. And that's the kind of people that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have one more quick question and then we're going to wrap this up. This has been amazing. So I, you guys don't know me very well. And so this is one thing about me. I love karaoke and I make no apologies for my love of karaoke. (laughs) It's my favorite way to a full self-expression. So this is my last question. If we were ever at karaoke together, when I get up to Saratoga Springs, right, we're going to go to karaoke. What is your go-to karaoke song? 
Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. I love it. That's a great one. Totally 80s. Samantha knows because anytime it comes on on the Pandora or whatever we're listening to in the office, I'll I'll start singing at my desk and she's like, oh, your song's on. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you? I don't do karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't have a go-to song. Okay. Well, you know, you could just, you just pick one that like, I love rock and roll or something that everyone sings along. And then you don't, then you, all you have to do is like, all you're doing is like leading the choir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm not good with those on the spot questions. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. All right. Well, thank you all for hearing. I just love what you had to say so much. And our listeners, you know, like this is a small staff and a big board and you seem to just, you know, take, um, handle it all very well. And just as inspiration for others who, you know, may say, oh, we're so small. How can we do it? You know, there's ways to do stuff. And so I want to commend you for that. And, you know, for really taking the time and building the relationships and And finding that alignment between what donors or what your board members want to give and what the organization needs so that, you know, we can be productive on both sides. And it just sounds like it's, it's really paying off for you and your ability to raise money and and make connections and, and, you know, and, and put on your programs in the community. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And so that is it for this, another episode of the influential nonprofit. You can go to theinfluentialnonprofit.com and download your up-level your influence starter kit. There's a lot in there about board and board service and leadership in this kit to download. And some of the things we even talked about today around onboarding and things I write about. And so you can grab that. And how can people get in touch with you? We'll put it in the show notes, but just why don't you give people like, you know, your website or any way if they want to get in touch with your organization. Sure. So our website is saratogapreservation.org. And you can also find us at Saratoga Springs Preservation Foundation. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And so you can go and see what we're up to and stay tuned on our uh, on our rehabilitation of 65 Pilot Street. We'll be updating yes. a lot about that next year. That's going to be amazing. All right. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to The Influential Nonprofit with your host, Mary Ann Dirsch. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Also, check out theinfluentialnonprofit.com for more resources on growing your influence so you can raise more and do more.